Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. qualify please stand if you're able to stand and we're going to go through this psalm we're going to do it responsively which basically means I'll read a line and then you read a line back to me is that okay so so I'll do the first verse I'll do the odd numbers you do the even numbers praise the Lord praise God in his sanctuary praise him in his high heavens Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbre and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Take a seat. Cool. Now, somebody was to make a list of controversial topics for preachers to try and avoid, worship would probably be right up there, as well as all of the things that we're looking at in these evening services, we're looking at all the kind of things to do with relationships, because there's more fallouts and bother, weirdly, over worship than just about anything else that Christians might have problems about. In fact, as you may know, the first murder in the Bible was over worship, between Cain and Abel falling out over that. So if you really want to see the fur fly among Christians, like the other day I did a blog post where I slightly criticised a line in a song called Reckless Love and the ethos behind it. And you get more bother as a result of that. I've written all kinds of stuff on blogs about nobody even notices, nobody even reads it. You put that on... And then suddenly you get this long stream of people and lots of people coming and remarking on it because worship gets a bit sort of personal for us. And we've been preaching this series called um, Summer of Songs, all about looking through the Psalms. And worship, however, as you do that, is hard to ignore if you're going to do it justice. And actually, we're going to look even further into it. We're going to step closer into it, into the next series that follows this one, which is actually going to be a, a few where we're going to look at worship even more in a series that we're calling Recalibrate, because worship is God's way of recalibrating our lives. And if you've been with us before while we've been doing these studies in in the book of Psalms, you might have noticed an interesting flow in the way that the book is put together, because the book of Psalms, which you find in the middle of your Bible, is really like a hymn book in the middle of the Bible. And um, it starts out by telling us God's way for us to live. And it starts out with an invitation for a person to live that kind of life. And it says that by living for God, you're going to find that you flourish. You're going to be like a stream that's planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in season because you're in the right place for that. And then after that, there's other kinds of psalms, and we've looked at some of them, and there's some there's psalms of sadness, psalms of lament, we call them. There's psalms about suffering, pain, and joy, and then anger, and then sorrow, and loss, and Why is that? It's because these songs represent our lives. And all of these different um, things that we go through, because living for God doesn't usually mean that he takes you straight away (laughs) uh, back to heaven. 
as soon as you pray the prayer and say, Lord, I want to give you my life, he doesn't say, oh, great, come here then. He leaves us here on this fallen and broken world. So the Psalms that we've identified, we look at the human condition. And we find that actually there's a Psalm for that. Whatever we're going through, there'll be a time when I'll be reading the Psalms and I'll go, oh yeah, that, that actually is where I'm at right now. So it's like you find the Psalm and it finds you and it finds a place of, of what you're going through and you can connect with that. But then you see something happens as he goes up and down, up and down, up and down all the way through the Psalms. As he gets near the end, when you get near the end, all the other stuff fades away and it just becomes praise. It's just one after the other. At the end, it's just more and more praise and nothing else so the sad psalms start to give way to joy to thanksgiving to praise and the closer you get to the end to this final psalm it's like the louder that crescendo of praise it gets louder and louder until it finally culminates in this psalm that we've just said together psalm 150 which is just pure praise it's pure worship Every single line is fully worshipping God. So here in the Psalms, as I say, I think you can actually trace the life of a believer. If you've never become one, today's a good day to be able to do that because there's an invitation at the beginning, as I've said, for you to come and plant yourself in the love of God because that will be the best life because it will be the blessed life that God has got for you. And that's an invitation and if you were here for the very first one, you might remember that's where we started in Psalm 1, where we were told there that don't walk in the way of the wicked, don't sit in the wrong place, don't stand with the wrong people, but plant yourself in the love of God. And as you do that, yes, we go through life and we find that there are ups and downs, but we also find that there's a good shepherd and that he's the one who leads us beside those streams. And no matter what we go through, even if we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we find that he's with us. And so you will go through life and all of the ups and downs with that good shepherd and he'll lead us through and he'll take us through all these different things. We've seen that there's all these Psalms that mirror my life. The things that I think and the things that I feel and the things that I experience, the confusion, the hurt, the worries, the betrayals, the loss, the loneliness. But in the end, all of that can be worship. We've seen that. It isn't like the only thing is worship is, is the praise at the end. It's all worship. All those things can be worship if we connect with God in those moments and let him connect with us. So Psalms traces the path of the believer's life of how we go from pain to praise. And today, Psalm 150 is the last Psalm before you close the Bible's hymn book. It's not over until the large lady sings Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The last five psalms are all known as hallelujah psalms. Hallelujah psalms. That's because they each begin and end with the word hallelujah, which is translated praise the Lord. So Psalm 150 is all about praise and worship. The where, the why, the who, the how of worship. Why do we do it? How do we do it? Where do we do it? Who do we worship? It's all here in this little psalm. And we know that worship is not just about singing. We know that worship isn't just about something that we do for a while on a Sunday, that the whole of our lives are meant to be worship. And we've seen that in the psalms, as I've just said that. But Psalm 150 has a major focus on the music of worship. 
and how heaven connects with earth and vice versa through that. That when we're singing, we're not just singing. There's something really powerful that's happening when we worship. And whatever kind of music you like, the psalm reminds us that worship is way bigger than our personal preferences. Why? Because worship originates with God. Worship starts with God. So somebody's going to hand out from the back, some people are going to hand out and offer to a few people a musical instrument. Just as a sign that worship starts with God. So if they start to go around now and if one comes to you, just, um, if you'd like, just grab one of these wonderful musical instruments and um, everybody's going to get involved in a bit anyway, so it doesn't matter whether you get one or not. But I'd, some people, this is going to be your musical moment later. Especially if you're, actually, if you're somebody who doesn't actually usually be in the band. Just grab something, don't shake it, don't make lots of noise with it now. Just hold on to it. You'll get your moment. If you grab something, if you take it. This is just to say, worship starts with God. Worship doesn't start with me. Worship starts with God. I'll give you a moment just to grab hold of these things and then hold on to it. Try not to shake it. Try not to make unnecessary noise. You'll get lots of chance to make unnecessary noise before we're finished. Okay, so if you've got something, just hold on to it. Anybody else? Throw them out, chuck them about a bit. That's it. Any more? We want to get them out as quick as we can, please. That's it. Moving, moving, moving. Get them out and then we're done. Are, we, are they all gone? Pretty much. There we go. Great. Worship is bigger than our personal preferences because it starts with God. The psalm ends with God too. So worship is all about God. It starts with God and it ends with God. The direction, not now, thank you. I know it's lovely, but not now. Can you just, not now, because honestly it will, it will put me off. Please don't shake them until I say. I know it's a pain, but... <laughs> Okay, so, good, thank you. I'm easily distracted. <laughs> the direction in this psalm might seem the wrong way round to us because we'd expect that worship would move from earth to heaven. That's how we usually think of it because we think about worship as originating with us. That's one big reason why we have so many fallouts about it. If we express our worship, if we think of it as being primarily personal, an expression of my own personal devotion to God, when something gets in the way of that, if it's the volume, if it's the style, if it's some form of expression that isn't the way I like it, it's outside of my comfort zone, I can take it personal because it kind of kills my moment. Now, it's like, I feel like, well, hang on, that's just spoilt it now. I can't really worship because that's not my kind of worship. It's somebody else's style of worship, but it's not my style of worship. We end up thinking it's about personal style or preference. But the psalmist tells us that worship moves in the opposite direction. Instead of starting on earth and then resounding up to heaven, it starts in heaven and it descends to the earth. Verse 1 reads, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his, high, in his mighty heavens. He's talking about 
as we're going to see as we look at Revelation, worship that's already going on all the time in heaven. Praise is happening. Praise starts in God's holy dwelling place in his sanctuary, which is in heaven. Praise the Lord there is literally hallelujah, a Hebrew word which consists of two words, hallel and yah. Hallel literally means boast, to boast. Yah is a shortened form of Yahweh, the Hebrew word for God. So he's basically saying boast about God. That's what worship is. It's, it's honouring and praising God and saying, isn't God brilliant? Isn't God just amazing? And Psalm 150 uses the term 13 times in just six verses. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, same thing. That's a lot of praising. Praise the Lord. Somebody said hallelujah. That was an African who said that. Because when I was just in Africa, and we were just in Kenya, when we were in this orphan village, if you said, praise the Lord, they said, Amen. Amen. And then they said, praise the Lord again. Amen. Let's do it. Praise the Lord. Praise him again. Amen. It's like you can't praise him enough. Praise him again. <laughs> There's an old Easter hymn by Charles Wesley. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Do you know that bit? He never, he never wrote that bit. Yeah? He wrote the verse and sent it off, and then it was going to be put into the, into the hymn book. And some crazy Methodist printer editor of the book, for every line, had it hallelujah on the end. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Son of men and angels say. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. So, you know, Wesley didn't write the hallelujahs. Somebody else, you don't even know who it was, kind of spoilt it. He couldn't, he couldn't, he was reading all these lines and going, that's so amazing, hallelujah. You've got to add a hallelujah onto that one. And then there's like another line and he was like, oh, hang on, you've got to add a hallelujah onto that one. And there's another one, he's like, put a hallelujah on the end of that one. And he end, you end up singing hallelujah 24 times because this guy just couldn't stop it. It's like you couldn't praise God enough. Lives again, our glorious King. Where, O oh death, is now thy sting? Once he died our souls to save. Where thy victory, O oh grave? Praise the Lord. Praise him again. Amen. And that psalm, you see, it's like, it's like it builds like that. The hallelujahs just get louder and louder and louder as you continue through it. And so you start to, you know. <laughs> bang a drum, do a dance. It's like hallelujah. I'm not musical. I don't care. I'm a natural. Thanks, John. 
it's praising God. This is how it goes in Psalm 150. It starts by instructing all of heaven to praise God because that's where worship begins. Then we join in. So verses 2 to 5 describe how those on earth are told, told to join in with the whole of creation in praising God. And you can always praise God for something. You can always praise God for something. Like what? Well, it says praise him for his acts of power. That's what he does. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. That's who he is. Our God is surpassingly great. Isn't that great? He's a great God. How do we praise him? Blow a trumpet, pluck a string, bang a drum, shake, rattle and roll. You can't help yourself. That's all right. You can start. You can start a little bit. If you start to get something going, give it a little knock or a bang. Then he gets really noisy. Bagpipes kick in. Cymbals clash. Where's, where's Emma? Where's Emma? Go on. We need a cymbal. The cymbals come and kick in. Yes. A loud cymbal. A loud cymbal. Then it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Even if you're not a good instrument, if you've got a breath. Hallelujah. Yeah. Come on, let's do it. Yes! Woo, 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 woo! Come on! Thank you, Jesus! Hallelujah! Praise you, Lord! Praise you, Jesus! Thank you, Lord! Yes, Lord! Thank you, Lord! Praise your name! Praise your name! Amen! We'll give it another go in a minute. That was a warm-up. Because I know there's sometimes, there's some days when you just don't feel like it. And we can think it's about whether or not I feel like it. But when you realise that the trajectory doesn't start with me, it's not about me trying to get something going up in heaven, it's about heaven trying to get something going down in me. And I'm invited to join in. And you find it's just the same in Revelation in chapter 5. The Apostle John gets caught up into heaven. He has this incredible vision. He sees innumerable angels and saints surrounding the throne of God, all worshipping 24-7. He hears many angels sing in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. They're singing that. And then notice verse 13. It says, Then, after that, the song's going on in heaven. Then, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Worship doesn't start with you and me. It's always happening in God's sanctuary in the heavens. The best gig ever. You know, I'm praying for Lynn's and the MEN Arena tonight, that's a fantastic opportunity. They do some fantastic gigs. You know where the word gig comes from, apparently? It was, it was um, in the 1920s, jazz musicians would, would, uh, who were, were Christians would basically, when they got a job and somebody was going to pay them, they, they would say, God is good. So it comes, actually, gig means God is good. That's where it comes from. 
So the best gig ever, singing that God is good, is taking place in heaven right now all the time. It never, ever stops. We're invited to this fantastic party, this amazing concert. And the song that is going on there, we catch a hearing of that. And it's like going on behind the door somewhere. It's like, what's that amazing noise? And then we get to step into it. And the song that they're singing, we start to take up. The musical movement is from heaven to earth. It's not the other way around. So imagine, but imagine this. Imagine you go to a concert. Maybe it is at the MEN or whatever. You two were just on. I love you two. Imagine, imagine you get to go to some, I don't know, football stadium. 50,000 people all worshipping whatever band you really like. And I'm, I'm, for me, it's you too. And, you know, Bono's rocking it out. And you're right there in the middle of it all, singing and shouting over everybody else. You've got on somebody's shoulders, maybe, or whatever. <laughs> and you're just going for it. And it's like, in the name of love, one more in the name of love. You're kind of, yay! And it's just the best concert you've ever been to. And the next day... Somebody bumps into you at work and you're still smiling and say, what was it like? Was it a brilliant concert? And you're going, oh, it was absolutely amazing. You should have heard me. (laughs) I was brilliant. I was amazing. I just, I think I got every note. I remembered every word of all of the songs. I was fantastic. You should have heard me. I made that concert for everybody. There's something wrong with that, isn't there? (laughs) If that was the case, what would people think? Because even though you were there, even though you joined in, you didn't really make anything happen, did you? Not really. You were part of it, and it's good to be part of it, but it would have all happened, and it all happened, to quote another U2 song, with or without you. And it's the same with worship, only way bigger. God loves it when we worship. He wants us to worship. But we can get, out of, get it out of proportion if we get the wrong picture because it will happen with or without you. You get to decide whether or not you're going to join in. Whether God will be praised. I get to decide whether or not I'm going to praise him too. Praise the Lord. Praise him again. We are invited to join in, to join in with the song that heaven is already playing. And your heart gets a choice to to tune in. It's like a musical instrument. They say that thing about if you get a group of pianos and they're all tuned and then you strike one note and it resonates across all of the other pianos at the same time. And our worship is, is just meant to be our hearts resonating with what is already going on in heaven. It's like there's something already emanating from heaven. Some sound. And, and we get to connect with that. And that's why it's powerful. That's why it's not just music. It's so much more powerful than music. It, and isn't this an entirely different view of worship than sometimes we get when you sort of, oh, I'll drag myself in. Well, it doesn't matter if I miss that first song or two like that. You know, I'll get there for the preach. And it's like you're missing out on the, what's the main course, the best thing. It's meant to be. Not the stuff that we end up sometimes getting through to get to the bit that we want. It's an, and it's an entirely different view of worship that sees me as a spectator rather than as a participant. That, that God in some way is like Simon Cowell. 
You know, sitting there watching and judging whether or not our worship is going to be good enough for him or not. It's completely the opposite of an idea that worship is something that we do primarily for ourselves, for our own entertainment, or so that we feel better about it. Did the worship start at 10.30 today? No. Some of you don't know because you weren't here. (laughs) But the answer is no anyway, because the worship always started. (laughs) It started even before the universe was created. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit self-existent in glory we get to join in we didn't we never initiate we do get the choice to participate to be able to join in so the church when we do worship is just a choice to join in to the worship that's already taking place how many of you know what it feels like to enter the church after the service has already started I'm not looking at anybody here it's like you walk in, everybody's already sort of fully engaged and you come in and they're all singing and something's in progress and you can feel a bit awkward. But you know what, actually, I don't want to make you feel bad about that because that's always happening anyway. That's really what we're doing every time we come into worship. We're joining in with what's going on in heaven. So we're always kind of late. <laughs> Few, somebody So we don't initiate we get to imitate and when we imitate what's going on in heaven then we get to participate with that great cloud of witnesses that's already there before the throne that's worshipping Jesus Christ so true worship is bringing heaven near to earth and earth near to heaven and that shift of worship as seeing it as about heaven thing first has to happen has to happen for me to get over myself and get focused on him Otherwise, we can end up going through a whole worship set. Sing one, sing two songs maybe, waiting for the one that I like. Oh, they didn't do that one quite the way I like it. Oh, that was a bit too fast. Oh, that was a bit too slow or or whatever. And I'm there judging it. I'm there picking whether I like that one or not. And actually, that's like me standing in that concert going, it's all about me. Verse 3, the psalmist says, praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Look at his focus. It's God. It's all about God. Who, who God is, what God has done. This is worship. It's focusing on God, on his acts of power. Just remembering what he's done. How amazing he is. You know, I was, I was standing today. I woke up this morning. I put the kettle on. I was in the kitchen. I looked at a leaf. Looking out the window, I looked at a leaf on a plot plant. It's not even a very nice pot plant. We're terrible with plants. But this one somehow survived, and it's there on the, on the thing. I'm looking at this leaf. I'm just thinking, wow. There's people who could do a PhD on that leaf and never get to the bottom of how amazing that leaf is. There's, there's so much in that leaf, so many chemicals. There's, there could be a cure for something incurable disease locked up in that and people are like well I don't see any miracles it's like everywhere miracles are everywhere it's acts of power praise the Lord praise him again he created the universe he sustains it He saved us from death and sin and hell. He's protected us. He's done miracle after miracle. Just think about the life of Jesus, about his love for us, about his death and his resurrection. Then you start to think and you start to talk and you start to sing (laughs) about all that God has done. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise him for what he's done. You can add a hallelujah on every line. Whatever that line is that you're writing in your life right now, stick a hallelujah on the end. Put a hallelujah on the end of it. For who he is. You never have to stop. You always have a a reason to worship him. One translation says, praise him because of his excellent greatness. God is excellently great. It's like they just got to make up a word to say how great he is. Think of his character, his sovereignty, his unchanging nature, his unfailing love, his unstoppable power, his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his grace, his mercy, his goodness, his kindness, his holiness, his faithfulness, his justice, his wisdom. On and on and on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise him again. Amen. Amen. Got to let it out. You've got to let it out. There's always something to worship God for. We've got to speak that out. Sometimes I'm, I'm really good at speaking out the problems and the mess. And I'm not really good at speaking out a hallelujah or praising God. See, we fall out about worship. But worship isn't about the instrument. It's about the one playing it. It's not about how they're doing it. It's how is my heart. So how should we worship God? When I read the psalm, the answer seems to be by every means possible. Verses three to five says, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Scholars say that basically covers every kind of instrument that would have been available to them at the time. And so what you're saying is, grab something, anything, and make a bit of noise for God with it. That's worship. We're going to give it a go again in a minute. Some churches say you shouldn't have music in worship. I don't know where they get that from, but it's not the Bible. Because it's commanded in the Bible that we make some music. We could even say it's actually commanded to worship God with loud music. Because the loudest thing that they could get hold of right then was cymbals. And it's hard to read clash and resounding as being anything quiet. And again, I know that sometimes people fall out over the volume of the music and we try and we make sure we keep the decibels at the right level and we have incredible people who help us who come and set stuff up sound-wise and everything for us to be able to do that. Can we thank those people and those who, who come and do that for us? But we have differences because of our culture and our background and our preferences and there's a particular style of music that you like, a particular style of music I like. I happen to like the music of that greatest of decades, the 1980s. And, uh, you know, why? Because it is the best. (laughs) You may not like it, but you're wrong. Some of the music my dad used to play, I used to hate it when I was young, but now I love it. Why? Because it reminds me of him. There's a personal connection when I hear that particular song or whatever. It connects me to him. Personal experiences shape our musical preferences. So I've got to watch it when I'm judging yours. Because we're all wired up differently. So, I've still got breath in me. Anybody else got some breath in them? Amen. As long as I've got breath... I'm told to worship the one who gives it me. While I'm still breathing with my final breath on my deathbed, I want to use it to praise the Lord because I love him. 
Because whether or not I, I love that style of worship or that kind of music, I love him. And that's what matters because he's who matters. And he loves praise. And he loves it when I boast about how excellently great he is. So come on, stand up. Everybody stand up. Have a stretch. Get ready to make some noise. The band are going to come up. We're going to admit three things. Number one, it's impossible to please everybody. So even though we've got like two different times of service coming up for Didsbury and we're going to have different ways of doing things, we know we're never going to be able to please everybody. Even though we have amazing, talented musicians and great sound people. And again, let's thank these guys who come and serve us so well. What we aim to do is to please God. That's our primary goal, and sometimes we get it wrong and sometimes we get it right, but that's our goal. Number two, the quality of the music is not always the most important factor. When I was just in Africa, you know, you'd see sometimes people who, who didn't have any musical instrument or whatever, but man, they could worship. You know, there was something going on in there. They didn't have anything like the kit that we've got. But it's a heart thing, it's a choice thing, it's a passion thing, not a performance Finally, how we talk about worship matters more than how or even what we sing. Because sometimes I think the main problem is that what can happen is, is the way we talk about our preferences can sometimes be disrespectful of other people's. And worship is bigger than my personal preference because God is way bigger. It's the duty of all creation. So look at verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Literally, that says, who should praise? All the breathing. All breathing people should worship, because worship is the duty of all creation, everyone and everything with everything. God is getting ready to get us to a gig that is already going. We get to be a part of it. We're going to worship in a moment with our own kind of hallelujah chorus in anticipation of the day when we stand before him and we know Jesus Christ is Lord and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that is the truth, that the one who paid the price of our admission to get us into that gig, he's the one who's going to be worshipped and everything that was ever created, everything that has ever breathed, will get to sing and shout and every tongue confess. So heaven is joining in. We, well, heaven's already going get to join him. Thank you, Lord. We want to praise you. We want to glorify you. We want to declare your glory in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Everything that has breath, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. We give you glory, we give you thanks, we give you praise, we give you honour. You're worth it, you're worthy. You're so worthy, Lord, for everything that you've done. Everything you've done for who you are, Lord. We love you, we worship you. We're so grateful, Lord, for who you are, for what you've done. You're surpassing greatness. Glory, glory to you, God. You are surpassingly great. You are excellently great. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. You're a king. You're glorious. You're wonderful. You're majestic. You're powerful. You love us. You never stop loving us. 
You're always with us. You're always for us. You're never against us. We glorify you, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise him again. Praise the Lord. Praise him again. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.